Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach Us About Life on the Other Side. And I have an exciting announcement. I've been in communication with Jeffrey and Jody Long, who are the founders of the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation and uh, run the website enderf.org. And uh, just talking about, you know, sharing audio online and how my podcast is sharing audio. And they've been trying to find more ways of getting um, near-death experiences in audio form. And we have come to uh, an agreement that the Near-Death Experience podcast will now be the official podcast of the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, which to me is very exciting. There's a, a lot of good reasons to do this uh, between the uh, copyrights of the uh, near-death experiencers uh, and, and you know the rights that are granted and so forth that helps with that, as well as being able to share links back and forth between the two sites and and just to help spread the word of near-death experiences. This is really exciting. And so I'm excited to announce that um, the Near-Death Experience podcast is now the official podcast of the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. So I'm excited to see how that goes. And uh, it's going to work out really nicely because of so many of the experiences that we're sharing are from enderf.org, which is, as far as I can see, the largest repository of near-death experiences in the world, on the internet and otherwise. So, and, and they're just growing every day. It's, it's really amazing. So I'm excited to announce that. And I will give a disclaimer that uh, the views that I share are not necessarily representative of the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. They are my own views, as well as the views, you know, by the experiencers, uh, same same deal. And as far as I can tell, other than uh, the uh, links on the website and, and mentioning it in the uh, podcast episodes, that this is the official podcast of Enderf, um, there sh- really shouldn't be a huge difference, so it's not like anything major is going to change or go away or anything. They're just just a wonderful addition to the podcast and spreading the word about near-death experiences. So, today we're going to share the experience of Arnie from enderf.org. He says, During my surgery, I found myself up in the corner of the operating room ceiling where I could look down from overhead at my body's my body experiencing surgery. I couldn't see much as the operating team and much equipment surrounded the table and the large overhead lamps blocked much of my view. Also, white sheets or blankets covered virtually every part of my body except for the open cavity which the surgeon's own body kept interfering with my view as he would move. However, I was able to make out some of the things that were said and realized they had already harvested the veins from my leg. Unfortunately, it was all spasmodic as I would fade in and out, and the whole thing ended before uh, before they began the heart surgery itself. I thought this was a dream until I later learned something, which made me realize it might have been more. 
Many years ago, I would often have a wonderful dream where I could soar above the housetops of my neighborhood at will by simply concentrating upon doing it. But it was frustrating as it was all, as always ended before I wanted, as I could not keep myself airborne and would eventually drift back to the earth despite my concentrations. It was always thoroughly enjoyable, though, and I incorrectly thought my surgery was just another form of my old dream. My surgeon visited me in my room when I was transferred out or transferred from the intensive care unit to ask how it went with me. I joked and told him that I guessed he was and I guessed he was surprised to discover an old guy like me did not have a fatty heart and he asked who told him that. I told him I heard him say it during surgery. He said this wasn't possible as they had me too deep under anesthesia for me to hear anything. I told him the very words he used when commenting to one of the other doctors, which was, I'd have bet a thousand dollars this guy's chest cavity would be loaded with fat. This thing is like a young man. A further comment, which I can't remember perfectly, that indicated the surgery would be much quicker because they didn't need to remove the fat first. I asked him whether he said those things, and he said yes, but I think one of my team told you. I told him I hadn't talked to anyone about this. I didn't comment any further, as I didn't want him to think I was some kind of nut by telling him I was watching and listening him from the ceiling, but this was what made me think this was an out-of-body experience. The next thing is difficult, and I can only... And, it, and I can only describe it as total euphoria. Before I was awakened from surgery, I was aware of being enveloped in a bright glow that had no glare. And it was simply perfect. I felt a euphoria that was so intense, I can only compare it with an orgasm, except that it was not at all sexual, and there was no climax. As intense and glorious as it was, it wasn't too much and remained at a constant livable intensity that you would want to maintain forever. It was not the usual light at the end of the tunnel sort of thing. It was simply the comfortable essence of where I was, of which I had no idea. I saw no landscape or people and heard no sounds. I was simply immersed and enfolded by a wonderful light that I never wanted to end. When I found myself awakening, I began to shout the word, No! repeatedly. I didn't want to return. When I came fully awake, I was angry, and my daughter asked me why I was frightened. I testily told her, I wasn't frightened. I just didn't want to come back. She asked, From where? and I told her it was a dream. I asked her if I was shouting. She said no, that she was reading her book at my bedside and heard me softly saying no. I concluded I had returned from death, not a near-death experience. I say that because they had stopped my heart, which was replaced by a blood pump, but I know my electrical system was disturbed and some things have permanently changed. Whether this is balderdash or not, I believe I experienced death and that when 
it's my time, I'll have a smile on my face. Before I explain the changes in my personality and mental processes, I must explain that although I'm 77 years old, people think I'm much younger. I know they think it's my appearance, but I believe it's my mental sharpness and universal interests that make them perceive me as younger. Although I seem to be, or to, I seem to be becoming more forgetful, I know I'm not senile. But with the exception of when I write, my ability to focus has been severely diminished as a result of the surgery. On the other hand, my recall is much better than it ever was, and I received a gift from this short-circuiting of my brain that's a bit scary. I always wanted to write, and after I retired, I began doing just that. I wrote about what I knew and put it into a book. I also wrote short stories and essays and even began writing a weekly column I wanted to write for some for small town newspapers. However, I love to write, but I never made a single effort to have anything published as it was the writing process that turns me on. At my age, I didn't want to waste my valuable time with the frustrating stress and hassle of trying to market my work. I wanted to write, period. Prior to my surgery, I would frustrate myself trying to conjure up something to write about. But since my surgery, I've experienced a minor miracle. At the risk of sounding like some of the loonies that called the George Norrie show, I'll tell you that somehow I gained access to a part of my brain I have never had before. It's as though a door has been opened to another area of cells, and I call up, virtually at will, creative stories from my mind as I go along. For example, I attended a weekly writing class. At one session, I placed my name on a list to read, and I hadn't written a word in advance. While driving to class, I asked myself for a horror story idea, and it began to form in my mind. When I was called upon to read, I went to the dais without any papers, and the class instructor reminded me I had left my writing behind and I said I wouldn't be needing it. He said this was a writing class, and I told him this was the way I write, so he gave me permission. I began to tell the story and never searched for a word or hesitated. I hadn't even thought about the ending until after 20 minutes he told me my time was up and to finish. I turned back to the dais and after a few seconds I had finished with a surprising satisfactory ending. The class, which was supposed to critique my work, besieged me with questions instead. Where did I come up with my ideas? How long did it take me to memorize the story? How did I do that? Etc. I told them it was just imagination that didn't suffice. Oh, that didn't... Uh, I told them it was just imagination. That didn't suffice. My showing off had gotten me into a jam. I had always admired one old gentleman who was an excellent poet, so I told him a door had opened in my mind, allowing me access to things... I never could before access, and he understood, so I asked him to explain to the class as I was unable to do so. He later told me he'd been searching for that door 
for half his life. In answer to another question, I boasted that I can select a subject or an item and almost instantly write a story about it. A woman asked me to recite one about a girl with her name. I began, and a few minutes later, the instructor said he wanted to get back to the, on program and let the next writer read. I gathered my things, and as I left, and I left, as I knew everyone wanted to test me more, and it distracted from the class. I went back to class once thereafter, but there was one snotty guy who kept calling me a phony and knew I'd have to belt him, so I quit the class. That's the last time I decided to show off as it turned out or turned into an unpleasant experience. Anyway, it's a gift I can turn on and off at will, and my only regret is that it didn't occur when I was younger. The reason it is so scary to me is that while doing it, I feel cut off from reality. And since I've lived most of my life in fantasy, which I could also turn on and off, I now began to fear that one day I may not be able to control it, and I don't want to become a Poe. This probably has nothing to do with your work, but it was remarkable, or it was the only remarkable thing that has ever happened to me since I heard Dr. Long on Coast to Coast last night relating some stories which matched my experiences like a glove. I thought it might be helpful to others. I don't tell anyone about this, as I prefer to be perceived as normal. I'm not searching for fame, nor have I given any thought as to how I might enrich myself. I just enjoy using it to write. I thought I'd expose it here where I might, it might help your research. And no, I didn't open my magic door to write this. That's the end of Arnie's experience. And I love this. I love this, love this, love this, because as a creative person... There is so much I can, that we can talk about with this. And, you know, it's interesting to me, too, that this is not a very in-depth experience as far as experiences go. I mean, he was just standing above his, or floating above his body looking down and then had this moment of absolute euphoria, which is totally characteristic of near-death experiences. I would, if if he had some way of proving that this was not a near-death experience, I would be shocked. I mean, this is, this is you know, true blue near-death experience material here, even though I find it interesting that he, at one point, says that he didn't experience, call it a near-death experience. I think because it was a death experience, not a near-death experience. And you know, back to that definition, the whole definition thing and the use of words and stuff. It's kind of a funny uh, uh, debate whether it should be called a near-death experience or something else such as a death experience. And I I feel like for myself, I'm past all that. I, I'm to the point where I don't care if you were just walking down the street and suddenly your mind suddenly went somewhere else and you're in euphoria and goes through a tunnel and whatever, that's a near-death experience, even if you are just continuing to walk and there's nothing akin to death. You know, that that's me personally. I understand different people have different 
uh, views on that. Some people will say, well, if they didn't have clinical death and the doctor pronounced them dead, I don't count anything. Uh, I'm sorry, they had an experience. We got to have some name for it. I'm going to call it a near-death experience. It's just the most um, comfortable term in the broad sense. If you say, I had a near-death experience, people have somewhat of an idea of what you mean. And yet, there is a little bit of a uh, unwitting backlash in that if you look up, you know, something like my near-death experience and just go to all the YouTube videos that you see, about half of them are just somebody almost dying. You know, like they, they got in a car accident, but they were okay. Or maybe they, you know, almost hit something but didn't. And so there's no, you know, special out-of-body experience. We could just, we could go with the term out-of-body experience, but even that is not always completely accurate because some people don't leave their body, but they feel that euphoria and they have the after effects and so forth. Anyway, on and on and on. It's, it's, a, it's, it's clearly a near-death experience, or if he prefers, a death experience. <laughs> but uh, anyway, the thing that I find fascinating you know, he's a writer, he, he's written a few things, you know, but, but never published anything beyond a weekly column and a few, you know, uh, things like that. But this gift that he talks about of being able to just flip it on and start writing a story or start speaking a story, just channeling a story, if you will. I can't think of a better word for it. And, and from what it sounds like, he's talking about you know, a horror story that he came up with. That's, it's not like he's channeling somebody's true story from the other side per se, but he's tapped into uh, a creative outlet that is, I mean, like probably envied by just about every writer I know. Now, that's not to say that most writers have trouble coming up with ideas. I don't think they do. That's not usually their difficulty, but this ability to stand and tell a story as if straight from a book without any, you know, pausing and trying to think for a minute or remember details and so forth. That is remarkable. There's no question about that. And um, I think there's something to that because many people who have near-death experiences find themselves becoming more creative and exploring their more creative sides. He is already a creative, and he goes from um, someone who loves to write, but, you know, has to kind of dig for ideas of what to write, to being able to just, on the fly, suddenly come up with a story, suddenly come up with ideas, and just spew them out without any delay. I think that's a spiritual gift. And it's one that was given to him from his near-death experience. And while it's a very enviable gift, it's the kind of gift that I think can be tapped into by other people. I only suggest that because in my experience with music, I think I have a little bit of that with music. Not, not to any remarkable degree where, you know, I could play any style of any, you know, kind of music. No, I, I can't do it in any style. But if you want me to sit down and write an original piece of music without any forethought, I can absolutely do it. It'll be a new age piano, 
kind of style, like you might consider the piano guys or David Lons or, or you know, George Winston kind of style. And, and I can do that. And, and it's, that's what I love to do. I think I enjoy that more than um, most other aspects of, of my music career. That's, that's how I most enjoy writing music and so forth. And I'm not suggesting that I have, um, you know, that it's come from some spiritual experience or anything, but I would say that with work, we can develop some of these spiritual gifts. And while I'm kind of annoyed at some people when they say that, like, oh, this is something anybody can do. You've just got to, because I hate it when they say that because it's kind of like, well, I, <laughs> if we haven't had a near-death experience, we don't know what we're trying to tap into. You know, it's like we, you know, anybody can read read people's thoughts and feelings and so forth just by quieting and, and whatever. I think it's kind of unfair to say that because, you know, they know what they're looking for. They know what, when they found it, whereas somebody like me, I can quiet. I love meditating. I could, I, I've done entire one hour blocks of time of meditating and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Don't get to do that very often, but, um, I can quiet my mind and listen and so forth, but I don't sense any thoughts or anything of other people. I don't feel any leaks, any ideas that, you know, I'll just, I can maybe ponder on something I'm doing and come up with ideas like anybody else would, but those things that you say, anybody can do this, I'm not fully convinced. But as far as music and creative things, I think this is something a little bit closer to what we may be able to tap into. Maybe not to the extent that this guy can. Maybe we'll get up in front of a stage and ad-lib a story with a few pauses and, and trying to, you know, collect our thoughts in between. But I think we can do that kind of thing. And so when I hear this story, it's just exciting to me to know that that's a spiritual gift because... That means that deep down, some part of my spirit can probably already do this. I just have to tap into it. And the fact that I've been able to kind of tap into that musically a little bit makes me think that maybe it's possible with other fields of creativity. So anyway, I love that. Love it, love it. Love it. So anyway, if you would like to support the podcast, you can do that either by purchasing my book, uh, life in the spirit world or you can go to patreon.com slash ndecast and uh, become an ongoing monthly contributor we are really close to $50 at this point possibly by the time this episode comes out we might be to $50 in which case I will start putting out an extra episode every week that is available to the Patreon uh, contributors and so there's that to look forward to and to, to consider. And if you would like to contact the podcast, either with your own experience or with a question or comment, you can do that by emailing neardeathexperiencepodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com or by calling 970-NDE-CAST. And with that, thank you all of you again so much for listening. Mm-hmm.